0: This week on Hangar Talk, it's Oshkosh Week. And
1: there is no special guest unless you count the Warbirds and the afternoon air show that you might hear in the background.
0: All right, let's do some Hangar Talk, David. All right, Ian, let's go. From AOPA, your freedom to fly. This is Hangar Talk. Turn right heading final turn right, back, With your hosts. Ian Twombly and David Tulis. This is Hangar Talk. Welcome to Hangar Talk, everybody. I'm Ian Twombly. And I'm David Tulis. All right, so no guest. However, David, in essence, you are the guest because you're on the, you're right there on the flight line. You're at AirVenture. You've been there all week. You're not going home until, what, Monday. So,
1: <laughs> so, Sunday, uh, Monday, that is correct. Yep. But that's a good thing. Yeah, that's right. Shall I tell our listeners why I
0: have to stay? Yes. Yes, actually. Yeah, you do have to stay. Yeah, let's hear why. I have
1: to stay for two reasons. First of all, a lot of our listeners came by and said hello. And to them, I want to say thank you. As we enter our eighth season, which is amazing. And you have to stay. My TriPacer is on display at the AOPA campus, Mm -hmm. right next to a beautiful red and white Beechcraft Stagger Wing. And it's there because the Staggerwing had a minor mechanical and we didn't think it was going to make it in time. So the Tri Pacer was the sub, and the sub is still on this show. And yeah.
0: <laughs> you know what? I love that story because it very easily could have been you're like, well, sure, yeah, I'll sub in, right? But then as soon as you found out the Staggerwing was going to be there, you could imagine them coming back to you and saying, never mind, yep. we don't need you. you know? That's about <laughs> what was happening. Yeah. And so for you to, to have kept the spot, I think that's pretty cool.
1: It is. And I'll tell you this, the thing that is appealing to a lot of folks about the stagger, the, uh, well, the staggering is appealing because it's art deco, you know, beautiful oh, piece beautiful. of gear. Yeah. The tripacer is appealing to a lot of folks, Ian, because it's representing a little bit more of affordable aviation. And I think folks are relating to that. Mm-hmm. And I've heard from many, many people about the uh, tripacers that either their father, their grandfather and uncle, Maybe an aunt mm-hmm. took a lesson, had a tripacer. Somehow, there's a tripacer in their family, and so a lot of folks can relate to it. It is an affordable aircraft, and it's not real fast. I, yeah, I flew up here. It was about a 11 hour flight from Frederick, Maryland, to Oshkosh. Okay. and Colin Stagnita led the way in a Cessna 140. I was second in the tripacer, and then Alyssa Cobb in her Cessna 170 pulled up the rear. Alyssa was part of the Cessna 170 anniversary celebration. They're Hmm. honoring the Cessna 170s this year. And of course, we have a Cessna 170
0: in the sweeps drawing this year. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So let me see with that pairing. Or were you in the 140 about the same speed maybe, but Alyssa had to throttle back, I would think.
1: Exactly right, Ian. You're on it, man. Yeah. Uh, I was paired pretty nicely with Collins 140. He has 85 horsepower. I have 135, but I've got two extra seats. Don't forget. That's right. And I got the old climb prop on there, but you know, 110 miles an hour is pretty good. Mm -hmm. And we still had a beautiful flight over the countryside. We had to stop and wait for weather a little bit, like most GA pilots do. But a great arrival. We had arrived in a flight of three. We were given the yellow dot to land on and complimented by Oshkosh Air Traffic Control. Oh, very nice. Yeah, for our flight and for landing. Always always
0: better than being yelled at. Yeah, that's good. (laughs) It's way better.
1: (laughs) So that was cool. And then the other thing to let our listeners know, and the ones who are here might already know, but I had a little Judge Me card on the tripacer and it's a beautiful restoration by jim jenkins and his son drew and they're getting some of the recognition they deserve well that tripacer has won some kind of Ian, and i won't know what it is until
0: saturday night fantastic so now i did a story once on the judging and i was fascinated by it because it's a world that like if you're not into vintage planes or not into restorations it's like you sort of You know you hear about award winners and you're like okay that's cool but you don't really know what goes into it and so i was so impressed i mean people it's all about authenticity at least the category i followed right absolutely so they'll allow safety updates so it's like for example you know like a 20 eras airplane they'll allow you to put a tail wheel on it and not instead of a skid you know that sort of thing and a radio. Right. You are, or it may be A D S B and a transponder
1: if you live in yeah, DC. Yeah, of course now. Right. Yep.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. And so, but otherwise it's like, man, they want it to be as original as possible. And that's, that's really cool because obviously there's, a huge market for people who are upgrading airplanes and making them modern, but its I think it's so important to keep some of that history as well, right? And to keep right. those restorations original. So that's that's great.
1: I think that's what appeals to a lot of folks um, about the Tripacer and a lot of, of to, you know, to the judges as well, to your point. In fact, Alyssa Cobb did a story on the judging there's a video out you guys can find it at uh, our youtube channel and it shows a judge actually on her back on the grass looking at the reflective surface on the on the fuselage of a cessna 195 a highly polished 195 and it goes to show you that the judges are really writhing around and getting in and out of places to look in the nooks and crannies to make sure stuff is clean and you know vintage and restored correctly
0: yeah And not to sort of be all big picture about it, but I mean, that is one thing that makes Oshkosh so unique is that there are, it's almost like there are like 50 different air shows going on at once, right? So you can come to Oshkosh and be really into vintage and and really into that sort of minutia of restorations and be involved in the judging or or in you know as a participant or whatever, or you can be into the military stuff that comes, or mm-hmm. you can be into the hangars and the technology, or you can be into warbirds. And so it's like a it's a different experience depending on where you are and what you see and what you visit. And it's just, it's just really amazing that everybody, all those really different people, if you think about it, they all come together right for that one week.
1: That's right, and we've seen a lot of them this week, and they have a lot to see. So at, taking a phrase that you usually use. Moving on, yeah. let's talk about some of the cool things the that news. we've uh, reported on, and then what other folks might want to know about.
0: Yeah. So one thing is one of these sort of shows within the show that always happens is manufacturers are giving demo rides to media and prospective customers. Garmin did to our Sarah up in Appleton. They were uh, demoing Auto Land, which we know about auto throttles. Which are relatively new and what's unique about this it was in a king air this will be the first retrofit application of the garmin auto land
1: that is what is so significant ian and i think it's gonna pave the way somehow for us little folks with our cessna 172s piper tri-pacers and uh you know and even maybe air coupes and stuff like that to figure out Mm -hmm. a way to get some of the controls rigged for an auto land operation now the auto throttle installations for the king air are not free. It's fifty thousand dollars and a hundred thousand dollars yep. for the Autoland retrofits, including auto throttle, which I believe the airplane came with a type of auto throttle. Mm. And uh, the G one thousand equipped airplane airplanes will also need upgrades to the latest G one thousand NXI. But I think it's the first of a trickle-down effect. Yeah, definitely. And it might take a while to get to you and I, but I think it's coming.
0: Yes. Okay. So, hey, actually, that's a great point because, as you know, we've got an interview coming up with uh, Garmin's Jim Alpizer. And, and he, we talked about this, about you uh-huh. know, Autoland and how it's going to have this huge impact and if they have any saves and what's their future. And he said one thing that's exciting for them is Autoland is a collection of systems. Right. So to them, it's like one marketing umbrella, but it's all these little pieces that create it and make it happen. And so they can take some of those pieces, some of the things they learned in making it and spin those pieces off into different segments. So, you know, maybe it's a, a certain type of autopilot function that can make its way down quicker to us or. You know, auto tune radio or something like that, right? You know, I'm
1: going to spitball something real quick, Ian. I was flying the Cessna 182 today. I had to take colleague Dave Hirschman uh, back and forth on a special mission today. So I left Oshkosh campus and came back, and I had. The 182 has uh, the Garmin uh, 500 autopilot on it, Mm -hmm. and we were using that on the way back. Dave was showing me some interesting techniques that even VFR pilots can use. And Ian, I just wonder, with Mosaic coming in and maybe being able to put more of that electronic ignition on an aircraft, is there a way to rig that? Autopilot to the ignition, which is the one thing that you really don't have an Mm. auto throttle option in a 182. Yeah, right. If there's a way to retard that ignition to a setting that is like an idle setting when you're close to the ground, I'm just, like I said, I'm spitballing here, but maybe there's something.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is interesting. So, yeah, I think that's, hey, we agree, right? Great news, Auto Land in the retrofit market now. Will be soon. Coming first on those King Air 200s and 300s, that's going to be a huge market for them. I think that's great. Right. And yeah, more soon in the future, I'm sure.
1: Well, I tell you what, before we leave it, I want to make one more point. I should have Mm -hmm. mentioned this before we wound this one down. This kind of technology would be very helpful to avoid certain accidents and crashes. And what comes to my mind, and you and I talked about this right before we started recording, was the Cessna Citation 560 jet, that crashed in the Shenandoah Valley recently, you know, if it would have had that autopilot on board, maybe the passengers lives would have been saved. Yeah. So that's where I'm coming from when we look at the technology how it can help us in the future.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yep, yeah, that's right. And we'll be right back. So one thing, you know, speaking of technology, Cirrus obviously known for being a technology innovator, coming up with you know new models every year with more technology, more innovation. They've been in the past couple of years, they've been sort of pushing their way into the pilot training market first with the, oh, I yeah. think the, the jet, really. And now they've got these serious training centers. And they have come out, they announced at the show with a full private pilot training course, just like maybe a CPC, Cessna Pilot Center, something like that.
1: Right. With 11 modules and 40 lessons, that includes pre-study material, ground school, flight instruction videos, assessments, and quizzes. And I got to tell you that the Cirrus Aircraft Party that kicked off Oshkosh on Sunday night was hugely attended. It was super crowded, Mm -hmm. and it gets things rolling on a positive note. They had a band. People were lined up around the block, but... There's some substance behind that party, Ian, with the the new Cirrus Aircraft Flight School. So that's pretty neat stuff.
0: Yeah, that is cool. And I've seen some of the videos they've done already, and it's uh, because, well, they they put them online as, you know, different, I guess, distinct modules that now they're going to bring into the course. But they're really well done, good training programs. So excited to see that because, you know, we don't always think of the SR-20 as a training airplane, but they... They do. You know, Cirrus markets it as a training airplane. The Cirrus Track, T-R-A-C, is a flight school airplane. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Otherwise, early in the week, you know, people learning to fly Boeing. I know this is something you always follow. Oh, boy. And that's the Pilot Mechanic Cabin Crew Forecast, and it's a good one this year.
1: Right. The Pilot and Technician Outlook for the next 20 years. And, Ian, you know, my math isn't great, but I'm going to... Just try to do a little quick division here. All right. All right. Let's hear it. (laughs) For the first time in a long time and since pre-COVID, the demand has increased up to six hundred and forty-nine thousand pilots. That's almost six hundred and fifty thousand pilots that we will need within the next 20 years. And six hundred and ninety thousand technicians. This is an increase from the numbers we've reported before. And Ian, like I said, my math is not great, but that seems to me that it's like 30,000 pilots a year Amazing. and 30-some-odd thousand technicians per year to be graduating or advancing through those technicians, you know, different levels to, to be able to work on aircraft and, or fly aircraft. Mm-hmm. So 30-some-odd thousand pilots per year, as a shortfall, yeah, but that's huge. How do we fill the? How do we fill those seats? That's the next question.
0: Yeah, and I think the other thing, the other stat from this that got me is I think if they were they said a quarter of all flight crew were going to retire in the next ten years. Amazing.
1: But I have been hearing rumblings that there might be an extension to the age
0: requirement. Yeah, that is currently yeah, at right. sixty-five Up to sixty-seven. Right. Yeah. So you remember when they went from 60 to 65, essentially what it does is it puts this like immediate pause effect on hiring for two years. And then it just restarts again. I mean, when we went from 60 to 65, the market went really bad really quickly. Right. And then, you know, now we're way beyond where it was. So it's like, okay, it might provide a little bit of short-term relief, but it's not a long-term solution. No, not at all. You know, and the other thing is with the money that these guys are making now, these pilots... I bet a lot of them would take early retirement at 65 anyway. Then I'm not sure that a lot of them want to fly until they're 67. So Well, that's a good point. Yeah. But,
1: you know, Bo- Boeing's not just sitting on its laurels, you know, predicting the future. They're actually helping shape the future mm-hmm. with some scholarships. I just yeah. wanted to... Give a quick readout, Sarah Deener. Thank you for the story we're reading from. Boeing announced five hundred thousand dollars in scholarships, again administered through AOPA, the Latino Pilots Association, OBAP, the Organization of Black Aerospace Professionals, Sisters of the Skies, and Women in Aviation International. Yeah, that's awesome. And the last sentence in the story: an additional four hundred and fifty thousand dollars will go to Fly Compton. It's a California nonprofit that introduces minority youth to career opportunities in aerospace and is sorely needed. Awesome.
0: That's great. And before we leave this, I do want to talk about the technician number. You know, they, they do say 650,000 pilots, 690,000 technicians. Every time I talk to Mike Bush, he brings this up. To him, the technician shortage is a bigger problem than the pilot shortage because okay. he's so concerned that, I mean, you figure there's 690,000 technicians just needed for commercial aerospace, right? Well, Boeing is kind of saying they they don't really specify. That's the problem. but I mean, I would assume they're talking about commercial. Right. And you need that many more for GA. And the same effect happens, right? Airlines scoop up technicians because they offer good, solid wages, good benefits, everything else, the working conditions. Signing bonuses at times also. Yeah, that's right. And so some of these shops, he's saying, you know, really good shops that he knows, he he gave me a number once and I can't remember exactly what it was. It might've been five where he thinks like a shop has to have a certain amount of technicians to be viable because obviously you've got to pay rent and mm-hmm. tools and all this stuff. And to do that, you have to bill a certain number of technicians. And he thought if they can't have that, have that many, they're just not feasible in the long run. And he's looking at really good shops who just can't find people. They just literally cannot find people to fill those spots. And so, to him, that's a much bigger concern and something that we need to be paying attention to. But I don't know, it's interesting.
1: I agree with you, Ian. And this is going to be a time for me to plug one of the more popular seminars or workshops that AOPA had, which was a live Ask the AP session. And it was, uh, folks were standing room only out the door onto the pine straw out front. That's awesome. For Mike Bush. And Colleen Sterling and Paul knew, and they were so entertaining and engaging. Uh, we I'm uh, answered probably about 10, que- 10 questions from the audience, so, a couple of good ones, and they were great. They're, they did have a request, though, so and You want to know what it is? Hmm. Well, they actually had two requests. Okay. The Ask the a trio wants to do two sessions next year. Okay. All right. And they want you up here in person.
0: Yeah. No pressure.
1: <laughs> yeah, because you host that show and, and everyone uh, knows you, but they were great. They were cool people. And yes, yeah, you're right. Amazing. That's a good point about technicians. Behind every pilot is a mechanic that knows their stuff.
0: Yep, absolutely. So what else we got? Let's see, from a from a GM manufacturer standpoint, we heard from Continental and Diamond, uh-huh. some certifications. That's always uh, nice to hear some of these at the big show. So the CD300 that's Continental's diesel engine, that was certified. And along with that, because it powers the DA50, that also has now been approved in the States, and the first delivery happened here at the show.
1: Yeah, and it's a retractable gear airplane. We've talked about it before. We've had an article in AOPA Pilot Mm -hmm. Magazine, so folks want to go online and and retrieve that or their hard copy, take a look. I know we went overseas for that one. Uh, That is a really slick airplane, and there was a lot of buzz about it just a couple of years ago, too. So yeah, that's a big deal with uh, uh, Continental and Diamond. What else? Let me give you a quick update. The Vans RV-15 is here. There were some specs updates on the RV-15. It's still a work in progress. Uh, They have not manufactured one yet, but they've changed uh, some dimensions. They've changed some other specs, and it's still drawing a very big crowd let me mention one other bizarre airplane that i saw and uh it's called the odyssey and uh, you'll have to go online and take a look at this but it looks like a big bubble canopy like a helicopter hmm. with a centerline thrust engine that's oh high overhead and big old bush tires, and the airplane is designed to fly slow and low and be sort of like a liaison-type aircraft or a a short takeoff and landing aircraft with double-slotted flaps. I'm just going by memory, but it was out there by the brown arch, and it was impressive to see that. But, Ian, before we leave the manufacturer's I want to give a quick shout out to a single manufacturer, a home builder, mm-hmm. Rachel St. Louis, who had her airplane under the brown arch. Rachel is from Rachel's Jewelry. She's a senior at Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. She wants to be an air traffic controller. She's got a triple minor in, uh, in a lot of subjects. <laughs> But Ian, it's a great feel-good story, and you see a lot of these up here at Air Venture. And so the thing is, is, that we saw Rachel, we caught up with her, and she has little airplane stickers on the side of the bushcat airplane that she built herself. And the stickers give a little shout out to each and every person that helped her along the way. Oh, that's and awesome! So she, yeah, so she got her private certificate. She built an airplane. And it's
0: on the show Center. It's pretty darn cool. That's very cool. And actually, before we leave Oshkosh, the last bit of news that we want to talk about is actually some AOPA news that came out at the show. And that is that AOPA is planning a national celebration of general aviation. And this is going to be through a flyover of the National Mall in Washington, D.C. next year.
1: That's right, Ian. And it's uh, to celebrate the 85th anniversary of AOPA. And it's really to call attention to the various decades of aviation that we've seen with mm-hmm. models from the, you know, early age to the golden age, through the Piper Tri-Pacer age, mm-hmm. so through <laughs> through, you know, the, the more modern uh, Cherokees and Cessna. Uh, singles and and on and on. So Warbirds are going to be in there. Mm-hmm. It's going to be next May in 2024, and we just unveiled that information, I believe, yesterday as we yeah. record this.
0: Yeah. So we've been working on this behind the scenes now for a couple of months already. Already gotten congressional some some folks in Congress who are helping us sort of grease the wheels a little bit through the various agencies that need to approve this. I think they said there's something like 17 different agencies that have to, that we've had to work with and so far been successful. So I feel like we're at a point where this can be announced. And like you said, the first, actually we already talked about the lead airplane. That's going to be the Beechcraft Stagger Wing, kind of the big airplane of the early age of aviation, and then all the way up through. So um, the airplanes are already set. The pilots are set. And it's now just a matter of sort of planning. It. It's going to be live stream. Tom Haines will be hosting. Yay, Tom. Yeah. So this is just going to be so cool. Really, really exciting event. And Obviously, a way to showcase general aviation to a much larger community.
1: The aircraft are going to fly above the Lincoln Memorial down Independence Avenue and past the Washington Monument, Ian. And I cannot wait.
0: It's going to be super, super cool. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Okay. So, the last thing we want to talk about is it's a little bit of, you know, it's a little bit into the weeds, a little bit complicated. And this is mosaic. It's also probably one of the biggest changes to Part 61 in. Over a decade. It's something again that's being worked on that has been worked on behind the scenes for a number of years. It's called the Modernization of Special Airworthiness Certification. That was released just this week. It is just a wholesale update to. I mean, you say it's an update to LSA, but it's really more than that. It's going to be all-encompassing. I mean, it's going to completely, I think, change the way we think about light aircraft certification.
1: That's right, Ian. I had to take a quick pause here because we had some Warbirds uh, jets fly over, but Mosaic is going to expand, and uh, aircraft weighing as much as 3,000 pounds can be part of it. You know, formerly the weight was right around 1,320 pounds, and with some exceptions, but uh, the light sport regs still only allow one extra person mm-hmm. in the aircraft besides the light sport pilot. But you can have more than the two seats that we had previously. You could have f- up to four seats in an aircraft. So to me, that opens the door for a Cessna 172, a, potentially a Cherokee 180. But there are some other stipulations that have to be met, including st- uh, stall speeds and other you know other types of performance regs that have to be adhered to before the aircraft can be certified for LSA.
0: Yeah. So it's going to change a lot of the things I think that have been pain points in LSA. One is the weight, right? 1320. It makes for really light airplanes. That's going to be they're actually it's it's amazing. There is no weight limit to these new airplanes. The FAA is Put in what they call a de facto weight limit through a stall speed limitation right now that's proposed
1: 54, 54 knots but we're hoping to change hoping that to, to expand to, to to include a few other aircraft yep. right at that right around that stall speed that's the clean stall speed
0: Yep, that's exactly right so it, which makes a lot of sense right that's a safety limit not a weight limit per se, because as we right. know, the difference between a 1,300 pound airplane and a 1,500 pound airplane isn't really that much. So, yeah, we're talking about a stall speed limitation that the FAA thinks will be about will will make the weight airplane weights about 3,000 pounds. That means, yeah, like you said, the 172s, Cherokees, all that you're going to be able to fly those as sport pilots with you know only one passenger. But certain people are going to be able to fly at night. IFR. The other thing that's always been weird about LSA is because it's an NPRM standard and they're not certified airplanes, you anything the manufacturer says you have to do, you have to do it. So like LSAs aren't subject to ADs. The manufacturer makes you do updates. That system's going to be gone, I think if I read it correctly. You're going to be able to install avionics that the rest of the community can install, which is huge. Yeah,
1: like an experimental radio which is about half the price of a certified radio. Yeah, I got my eye on that, yeah. and right off the bat, man, <laughs> absolutely.
0: Yeah, um, other things like you're going to be able to do some basic commercial operations, like pipeline patrol, maybe, and sightseeing. I mean, it's just a huge, huge change to the regulations, and one that I think is is going to have just a hugely positive impact, not only on safety, but but on our pilot numbers.
1: Right. I think that's, that's something that's really positive to look forward to folks who are already aircraft owners that will help them out. People who are hesitant to get into aircraft ownership might have a little bit easier time of it right now. And there's just a whole lot to love about that. But Ian, it's uh, it, it's a rule that the rulemaking is posted, yes. but we have 90 days to write in and say how good it is. Yeah, so that's don't right. forget.
0: Yeah, that's right. So yeah, I think the deadline is, uh, what that makes it about the middle of October, October 23rd, I believe. So yes, definitely go onto AOPA.org, find the story, find the link to the NPRM, read it, it's huge, but take some time, make those comments because yes, the more people who comment, the FA has to, has to incorporate those comments or at least pay attention to them. So please take the time and do it. And yeah, we're going to have some nice changes, I think probably next year sometime.
1: sounds good, Ian. Well, that's about all the time we have. Do you want to sign us off?
0: Yeah, I think you're right. And uh, boy, David, I I am sad not to be there. I'm super happy you are and that you've been here the whole week. I hope you have a safe flight home and uh, enjoy the rest of your show there.
1: Oh, we'll have a great time. Ian, appreciate uh, those sentiments from you. We're going to see you up here next year.
0: I hope so. That's right. Yep.
1: And, and as the air show t- hits a high crescendo here, I want to say uh, thanks to all of our listeners for eight seasons so far. We love it. Glad to hear from y'all. And want to also thank Austin Hansen, our longtime audio engineer. And don't forget, you can find us at AOPA. Dot org slash hanger talk, or wherever you get your podcast.
0: All right, we'll see you next time.
1: See you next time, Ian. Hanger talk from AOPA, your freedom to fly.